Welcome to Writer Syndrome, a podcast about writing from start to finish. This episode, we're getting into metaphors and similes. I'm Russ Capasso, and joining me as always is Tim Letney. Tim, usually I ask you like a really left field, out of the ballpark kind of a question. Yeah, you try to stump me, right? I try to stump you, and then you reverse it on me sometimes, and you ask me the same question, and, and I basically stump myself. Yes. So I'm not going to do that. Oh. I'm, I'm going to start pretty simple here. Metaphors and similes, which is your go-to, or do you have one that you use more often than not when you're writing? I, first off, was mentally preparing for the stumper. <laughs> so I was thinking about like what similes or metaphors I was going to use to describe how I'm feeling right now. Because that's and usually... all that prep work for nothing. Yes. <laughs> always, um, always keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. But as far as the ones I use, the, like hand, hands down, I use similes. Yeah. Too, too much. I, <laughs> I, I, me too. I noticed in, uh, in, my, in the editing process and some beta readers picked out, and I can talk about it a little bit later, yeah. um, my uh, very aggressive use of simile. How about you? I uh, definitely similes. Um, I, I was told the same thing by my editor. She called out some points where I used like three in a row. And she's like, these yeah. are good. Pick one. <laughs> Save the other ones for somewhere else. And I was like, okay. Uh, so yeah, stacking them. Not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I'll say if it's intentional. If you're like, sure, sure. Yeah. Because I had way too many on a page, right? I had too many. And, you know, when I got called out by that beta reader, I felt a little bit like, how dare you call out my <laughs> usage of simile? And then I went back and I read it. And then his point, and I think was correct, is that I'm, I was telling the reader to, to imagine so many different things and look in so yeah. many different directions yeah. that they weren't actually focusing on the story I was trying to tell. Yeah. Yet I've gone, and since then I've read like a lot of other in genre things. And I've seen some examples like Nick Cutter, for example, yeah. and the book, The Deep. Oh my goodness. Like yeah. so many similes. Just like, like but no, I think it's very intentional. Yeah. And, and I think it, his book has to do with memory and memory loss and, you know, claustrophobia, but it was jarring how yeah. many he used. Yeah. Uh. And I almost used it as like, uh, see, other people do it, but yeah. I wasn't doing it intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> so I fixed it. I went back. I fixed. I I, I chose like one or two, yeah, yeah, as opposed to like the seven that I had on like a four hundred word. I find uh, I'm like I'm trying to think of like right now. I'm reading a thriller, and there definitely is a lot of similes in there, but they're like real quick. You know, like if it's describing like a, in an action scene, you know, he threw his fist like a steel hammer. You know, like. Yeah, it's stuff like that to kind of like give you a visual pre representation. But maybe we should get into defining the metaphor and simile, right? Um, Love it. It's probably a good start. Uh, I felt like I was trans <laughs> doing the research in this. I felt transported back to like ninth grade, like English class, and I was like, yeah. "Man, I hated that class so much." Like it so dissuaded me from writing uh, in such a big way. Yeah. It's interesting too, right? Because you can begin to write and use all these literary devices or all these figures of speech or whatever. Yeah and not know the definition for them. They're just so yes. ingrained in how we talk and how we write and how what, what we assume authors sound like. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's the author like, well, I should be using these types of, you know, tools in my toolbox to get across that I am a big, serious writer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? I think it's funny too. I, I was having a conversation with a friend a couple of weeks ago and, we're, you know, they're asking about the book and whatnot. And, and she was like, so what's the difference between metaphor, similes, analogies and everything? And I, start, I, was like, I felt myself like starting to speak and I was like, well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I was like, no, actually, I don't, I don't think I can tell you the difference between all these because like, <laughs> like I gave like examples and she was like, so they're kind of all the same. Like they kind of are like, they all have like nuance. That's what it is. Like each one's kind of a nuance, but they're all about comparison pretty much. 
yeah. right? Like it's about one's compare- direct and one's indirect. Right, right. right. So simile is so, an indirect comparison. Yep. And metaphor is a direct comparison. Yes. And the difference between a metaphor and similes is actually the, the, the way it's used as well. Like similes will include comparison words like, like, as, so, and then, right? Where a metaphor can be very, just one line, very one hit. This thing is, is like thing B. Thing A is like thing B. And not like thing B, is thing B. Is thing B, yes. <laughs> and, yes. And I'll say talking about simile again real briefly, I use like too much. Yeah. Whereas I was reading um, Nick Parada. He barely uses like he he uses as a ton, um, yeah, which totally fits his writing style. And I was like, oh, I should maybe like diversify the language I'm using when I'm trying to use simile because it's just the repetition of like, 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 yeah, when there's actually some alternatives that, that could fit and make it seem a little less redundant and maybe yep. call a little less attention to itself. That's a good point. Uh, I think I lean on that as well. I lean on the the word like for, for my similes, which, um, yeah, I think mi- mixing up is probably a good idea and pe- probably paying more attention to that in the, when I go through the edits and be like, oh, can I switch this up so it doesn't feel so repetitive? Yeah. So yeah, so metaphor simile. So there's like, um, as we were discussing before this and kind of doing a little digging and research, of course, there's like a ton of different figures of speech uh, that we probably won't get into. Um, there's analogies, there's allegories, right? These are all kind of... As always, there's the Wikipedia of uh, 500 of them. And then there's the clickbait articles of there's 10, there's 28, there's, 20. there's 62. <laughs> every one that every writer needs, 181 figures of speech. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We can go to some examples of, of, I, I think given an example, because even after reading it, I have this brain where I get easily confused. So yeah. Tell me if I'm right in saying this. Every simile is a metaphor, but not every metaphor is a simile. Metaphor is a broader term. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like sub, sub buckets to, to that. So yes, that is correct. But just saying that that is a, that is like a tree falling in the forest to me. I could yeah. say that seven times in a row and maybe understand. Maybe. <laughs> so explain I, it to me, Russ. Wait, I think Tell that's, me what I'm talking about. I, th- I think that's a metaphor you just use, a tree falling in a forest, right? It's <laughs> Is that like, a dead metaphor? I don't know. It's, it's, like, it's like all all bisques are soups, but stews are not. I don't know. Something like that. <laughs> I think. I'm not sure I can explain this to you Wait either. a minute. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're you're correct. All similes are metaphors because under underneath the metaphor like category bucket, like there's you know the, it, again there, it's a form of comparison, uh, and simile falls into that. It's just again the, the devil's in the details of the word usage for for how it's how it's uh, set up and used. But then other types of you know uh, more specific I guess metaphors or subcategories, however you want to call them, because like, they're specialized types, right? So allegory that's also a metaphor. Yeah, that's the bisque of soups, uh, which <laughs> is like. <laughs> 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 it's which is an extended metaphor wherein a story illustrates an important attribute of the subject right so that's a kind of a bigger picture uh, i think we were talking about right an allegory right um i think uh, i'm we pausing because were... now i'm thinking of parables which always feels similar to allegories to me but anyway we're getting noodly yeah we're, it's noodle fest that's noodle fest stuff but there's other ones i just want to call out that like yes you're correct in terms of like there are specialized types of metaphors but okay. yes metaphor is kind of like the top level category um so then if I was going to do a simile, I could say I am, um, I'm as lazy as a cat. Yes. There you go. As opposed to, so that'd be a simile. And then Correct. I'm a lazy cat is a it, metaphor. Correct. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one, one, one example. Okay. Yeah. The end. We did it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like curious about, uh, have you, when you were writing, uh, did you, did you have any ideas for like 
thematic metaphors by any chance or did you did you go in i i, I know you did <laughs> um but did you so is go that, in that the, like, would a thematic metaphor that extends across the entire work be allegorical yes okay yeah because you're yes because yes, you have definitely allegories to uh you know capitalism right and yeah and whatnot so with throughout your story yeah so i do i think it's broad enough and i think with every kind of i mean metaphor and allegory are at work in horror at least the horror that i'm drawn to quite often you know they, mm -hmm. they talk about the fears of the time and anxieties of of you know current generations or generations of the past whether it's like frankenstein about like the industrial revolution you know and anxieties yep. around science and and biology or dracula you know about like xenophobia a little bit or um even like immigration to a certain extent or disease right yep. like yep. tuberculosis so there's i that i also don't like the idea of pigeonholing it so i will say that i have ideas in my piece and it, it is kind of I do have like metaphor and I guess perhaps allegory that go throughout, but I don't want to say it's just one thing. Like, yes, yeah. consumerism is about because I, I I grew up on right like Romero zombie movies, and yep. you know with Dawn of the Dead it was very much you know just you put zombies in a mall and you're talking about consumerism and you know the American dream through like that consumerist filter, and that was very influential to me. So I, I think that that idea like the the mass of Americans purchasing and kind of being uniform and, and yep. not individuals is very much at play yeah um, but there's other stuff too like um I, I think you in a way i feel like it's for the reader to get out what they want yep and i'd never want to say my book is about this thing um not only because it could potentially limit the audience for those who don't want to read about that thing or don't feel the same way that i do but also i think it, it takes away the the fun or like the discovery of yeah. of what the reader is getting from it so yeah. yes i definitely have some things in mind but no i don't want to say it's just one one thing because it's yeah. multiple right it's um, not like animal farm i guess where it's like animals it about yeah. socialism i don't know is it about socialism <laughs> i don't i never read it <laughs> yes. isn't that bad <laughs> one one uh one tip uh we shouldn't mention things that we haven't actually read or <laughs> <laughs> as an example <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, and coming back to this, I, there's um, this author, and she writes a lot of um, kind of writing help books. I purchased one of her books, uh, Cam Wyland, and I came across her her site and her like a post about thematic metaphors and whatnot. And I thought it was kind of interesting. One of the, towards the bottom, you know, she describes metaphors, and you know, she uses some examples from movies and, and other books and stuff. But I think they it was kind of interesting was she gets into how to discover your thematic metaphor, mm. um, and like the approach should always be shouldn't always be it could be however you want it but the idea of finding your plot and finding your characters first um mm. and sometimes the, the the thematic metaphor might come through as you're discovering it which i think i definitely came across that i think in my, in my writing my book i was focused on plot characters and moving them through that story and then later on kind of discovering some of the metaphors or allegories you know that could be yeah. pulled out of it. Um, but I find that kind of interesting because like if her, her thing is, you know, um, what comes first is plot and character, but it's tricky because um, you can't like, if you construct your metaphor that can sometimes come across as like too in the face and too obvious. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause like you're so focused totally. on that being the first thing. And I'll so say like, that was such a concern of mine. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But in the same respect, I mean, I guess I could have caught it on an edit, but I feel like I was able to do some foreshadowing because I had one in mind. 
but I, I was very much concerned with it being so above the surface and so visible and so forced. Um, so I, I think I agree with that. Like it's yeah. something that maybe I'll try to channel a little more in future works. It's not that I wasn't necessarily putting character and plot first, but I was, I think I had raised that like subtext. I'd raised the metaphor maybe too high. Yeah. Like I'd put it almost shoulder to shoulder with the characters and with the plot where it should be maybe a little more not buried, but not having equal footing with the story you're crafting and the characters you're putting into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, then it's no longer subtext, right? It's just text. It, right, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing fun to discover. Yeah. It's telling people directly. Yeah. And I think sometimes the, 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 that, that level, the allegory, the, the thematic metaphor um, is discovered definitely in later drafts, even at the character level. Um, yeah, I look at mine now and it's like, oh, I have three characters who are kind of metaphors for trust and varying levels of trust. You know, like I've got one who doesn't trust anyone, anyone at all. And then I've got one who's kind of in between. And then I've got the, the extreme of someone who's open to trusting people. So, um, but that, I, that was something I don't think I pieced together and started kind of shaping until later drafts. Uh, and that comes through hopefully in their actions and, and dialogue. Um, it's interesting not to always bring up Tarantino, but there's this kind of nice quote that he has about, you know, subtext and, and metaphor to some extent that um, when he kind of completed Reservoir Dogs, uh, somebody had asked him about subtext and whether he'd done his subtext work and he hadn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. but but through um, exploring it, you know, he realized whether in, on some subconscious level he had structured, you know, Mr. White, the Harvey, Harvey Keitel character to be kind of like a father figure to Mr. Orange, the, the yep. Tim Roth character. Yep. It wasn't planned, but the subtext that that metaphor of like a father son relationship was there. And he was like, Oh, great, cool. Like I've got subtext. But yeah. then since that moment, according to Tarantino is that he was like, but I never want to do subtext work again. Yeah. And I think for him, probably to, to your point, it's detrimental to character and plot. Like if you're focusing on what's beneath and the messaging that you're trying to kind of get across these kind of hidden relationships and metaphor, it could be a disservice to the plot and characters that you're, you're building. So interesting yeah. that he recognized it, that he was kind of reaffirmed that he had some kind of substance beneath the surface. Yeah. But also like, I don't want to be distracted from that because that's not the story I'm telling you, or at least yeah. that's not my process to get yeah. the story across. And again, putting too much focus on trying to have something in there and kind of shoehorn it in, well, it'll be obvious and kind of just you know stick out like a like a sore thumb, which that would be. Hey, a look at that sore thumb! It's <laughs> yeah, a dead at, metaphor right oh, there. No, no yeah. dead. Is there a dead simile? You said like a sore thumb. Yeah, like a sore thumb. Yeah. Wow. Look at that, huh? Look at us. Look at us doing this stuff right now, huh? Live, <laughs> live on air, right here. Did you use metaphor much at all? Like, we'll, we'll say like maybe not like the. I, I guess if it's all the way across the piece, you know, it's kind of allegorical, but did you use kind of scene to scene, moment to moment metaphor as a figure of speech? Um, I don't, not, uh, not, uh, not intentionally, I don't, you know, maybe, maybe it came out, um, but I did, wasn't thinking about it as I was writing. So, yeah. um, uh, yes and no. Um, again, I think that the thing that jumps out to me that I know I was using was definitely simile, um, throughout, but, no, not not. It's not something I actually thought too much about. Um, even yeah. later drafts, either like really paying attention to that. Um, I think I was just so focused on like making sure like the plot made sense uh, versus like and the I'll next say level. For, which... Like your genre and your genre expectations, 
you know, inside that thriller kind of yeah. espionage genre, it's, I would imagine that these types of figures of speech, maybe not simile as much, but people aren't going, they're not picking up the book no. for that, yeah. right? Yeah. They're, it's like a plot driven, yes. thriller driven. But I do think metaphor certainly can punch up certain scenes, Yeah, you know, <laughs> but also when you, you're using limited, limited third for a POV. Yes. Yep. So in that case, it would be the, no, it wouldn't be a kind of this omniscient narrator. It would be the character and yeah. the character is kind of POV using these things. Yep. And then how, how much does that fit with that current character, right? Like, yep. It's, it's, that's actually pretty interesting too, thinking, thinking of metaphors and, and by genre, like I feel like fantasy and sci-fi are going to be like the most, you know, heavily ridden allegories, metaphors for whatever fears and stuff we have going on right now. Whereas like a techno thriller, like the one I'm reading now is more about the details and wouldn't get into metaphors because it doesn't want to have send any mixed messages. It's like, this is how this operates. This is how, da, 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 da. you know, it's very like right. uh, straightforward because that's the expectation that you're getting. You're not getting some mixed message. It's just, yeah, like you said, focused on plot and moving things through. Are there thrillers and spy thrillers out there that probably have a lot of absolutely definitely um but yeah i think some of the, the ones i'm reading now definitely there's not there isn't any uh heavy use of metaphor simile definitely because that again kind of gives you like a more quickly visual representation of of maybe a, a situation but yeah it's something it's in, kind of to explore maybe another yeah i feel context. like it's it's almost easier to use these when you're dealing in omniscient third when you have yeah. a narrator who is also not necessarily character, but like that kind of overarching voice, because then you can really do anything. And yeah, they can wear the yeah. skin of the character for a minute, but they can also pull back and describe the character using metaphor and simile. Um, yeah, because you wouldn't, yeah, if you're writing in limited third, like you said, it's from the character's perspective and people don't, do people, do we speak, I guess we speak in metaphors, but I mean, you know, to each I mean, other. So I'll tell you that I was reading the book, uh, I already forget the name, but it was like about this group of women who went whitewater rafting the main character is a graphic designer and swimmer and um she it's written from her perspective limited limited third but she sounds like a writer like mm -hmm. there's so many similes so much metaphor and and so kind of beautifully written yeah that my first thought was you're not a graphic designer you're a writer like <laughs> yeah. it felt completely different and that's when the author was kind of coming through and kind of embodying this character and there was this disconnect yep. between the author and the character that they had built because the language that character was using did not match did not match with yeah. what with what they told me the character had come from and um and their background it was it was really really interesting also, when you're going, when you're dealing with like a really tense scene, you're almost drowning and you're limited third. Yeah. You're not thinking in metaphor. No. You know, you're not thinking in simile. And it, as these characters are panicking, they're using these figures of speech. And you, you wouldn't. You'd just be like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm drowning. Yeah. I, you know, actually, now I'm thinking more about you see metaphor a lot because, you know, you could do examples like it's real simple like uh i'm reading off reed z here they have got like a whole bunch of examples of, of metaphors like bill's an early, early bird or her eyes were diamonds like those are metaphors right um some common ones but i could see like that level being used for description of 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 a character and definitely in that's probably more where it's used in like the thriller genre i could see okay that way it gives you a quick like you know sense of of the person in like a short amount of use of words instead of having to describe like you know specifically how their eyes are looking versus if you just say her eyes were diamonds it's like okay that gives you a pretty clear oh, that's a weird one but you know 
yeah, that, that you'll see a lot of. Um, and I, that's probably where I use the most when, in description of characters. But even I don't do a lot of description of characters in my book either because I kind of keep it open to people kind of interpret their own. Yeah. Well, their own vision of what the character might look like. Unless it's like needs to be very, unless it's part of important to the scene or understanding of what the character is. Yeah, I think I use metaphor, same thing with descriptive text and yeah. when a simile doesn't feel like it's strong enough, like when I need something that's a little more direct, but I, it's, I, I use them way less, yeah. way less than simile. Yeah. And it's interesting, like when do you choose to use a simile? I mean, I tend to use similes around, like I'm, I'm in like the horror genre, right? So there's a certain expectation that things are going to be a little uncomfortable and a little gory and you're kind of dealing with like maybe some gross scenes. Yeah. And, and I... I use simile in those moments. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if I'm doing it to sound less base or if I'm doing it to really get across the visceralness of it. Yeah. Um, because there is a moment of looking away, you know, like something kind of uncomfortable is happening. So picture something else. And is that something else easier to take or is that something else making it even even more intense? And it's a good question. Kind of as an example, if I'm describing like somebody's veins as like fat worms or something, or, you know, I think I use something like a, a I think I use a pizza box, yeah. you know, as a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's actually a simile. It's like it flipped open like a pizza box. Like a pizza it's box, like this yeah. kind of, I use, I, in that scene, that's for comedy. Yep. Right. So here I'm like trying to lessen the uncomfortableness and make the reader giggle. Yep. Because of the ludicrousness of that simile. And that's very super intentional. So I, yep. I think I'm using it for different reasons in different sections. Like in those claustrophobic scenes, I'm using it to heighten the claustrophobia. Yep. But in like the ridiculousness scene, I think I'm trying to channel like early Peter Jackson or like Sam Raimi, Evil Dead 2 type era where it's like the slapsticky, like it's okay to laugh. This is yeah, kind of yeah. a joke. Yep. But don't worry because there's horror at play later. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting how you can choose to use simile and metaphor and you'll get different reactions like yeah different reactions kind right. of a, a different it's a great way to set set the reader up too right yeah and like you could set the like you said you use use this assembly for like a, a comedic moment and kind of give the reader this false sense of security maybe of like oh okay that's funny and then you hit them something hard like the scene right after right to it reminds like, me of like um in movies there's they always refer to like battle fatigue and i'm like where is like oh a battle scene's gone on too long or an action scene's gone on too long and yeah. the, the, the audience is kind of rudderless because it's just been too much and they're not grounded again back into reality. So I, I do think that I use simile as kind of a breath sometimes. Like, hey, how's everybody doing? Yeah. We good? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah we're going back out there, but let's take a breath. <laughs> Here we go. And I otherwise, think that... it, it almost feel like, I don't know, like I'm trying to be try hardy or edgy or something like i'm trying to be too yeah. edgy like yeah yeah and i don't want to be edgy i'm old no. i want to be <laughs> fun and silly and goofy our, our, our days of being edgier i think are past us <laughs> they're long but i think <laughs> that there's also gone. like a a triteness in that in that like overt edginess yeah like i think of like the hostile movies or something and they're like oh look how edgy you are like all yeah. like all the saw movies oh you're so edgy you know yeah it's, yeah yeah there's no fun you know it's just dreary and try hardy what about other um, other figures of speech, Russ? Do you like and have you noticed yourself intentionally like using stuff like alliteration, like the repetition of like a consonant? 
or assonance, which is like a repetition of like the S sound. Not consciously. If it happens, it happens. Um, but if it happens, do you edit it out? If you're like, oh, that's not what I'm going for. Like, have you noticed it where you're like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I, I can't provide any exact examples. I mean, I bet my editor would probably should have had her come on the episode, um, would probably have called them out and been like, this is what this yeah. is. You're using this too much. And I probably was like, okay. Um, yeah, like I, my, um, again, I, I slept that ninth grade, uh, English core class. So a lot of these little detailed things, like I, I'll notice what it is, but I won't know like the title, the name for it. So I won't be like, yeah. oh, I'm using too many parables there or too many antithesis, you know? I mean, I use alliteration. I try not to be, I mean, it tends to just happen, right? And yeah. whether I decide to edit it out or not. So alliteration is just like when the first letter of each word is the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but sometimes I feel like that can be perceived as trying to sound authorly or trying to be real clever. Yep. And And if you're drawing attention to yourself as a writer, you're pulling the reader outside of the story and the plot. Yes, yeah, I think you want it to service your characters and to service your plot. And if you're like, look how clever I am, unless, you know, your narrator is one of the main characters and that's what you want to get across or something. Yeah. Um, I'll say something that I have to edit out that I always find myself doing that is absolute bargain basement writing Yeah, is rhyming. I rhyme. <laughs> I think it's from my years as like a, a, rapper. a, a, like a five cent <laughs> poet. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I always kind of had auspicions of like, I didn't like prose poetry. I was kind of like very simple, like A, B, A, B, you know, whatever, heroic couplets at the end. So I find myself rhyming and I have to edit it out. I know I have to, but sometimes like it's not until like way later that I'm like, I got to get rid of this. You're being too cutesy. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody cares how clever you are that you found two words that rhyme. Like that's not the point of this scene. I'm picturing Tim back in his 20s with his hat and his his sunglasses in the uh, in like the in the the cafe on the stage, like in uh, So I Married an Axe Murder. She had a da 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 da. (laughs) So I'll tell you, I was um, I was a bleeding heart English major in my (laughs) 20s, and I had my my black coffee. And I had my little hats uh, and I had my filterless cigarettes and it was all very serious and, and how I felt mattered about things. Yeah. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, but yeah, no. I was going to like poetry readings and coffee houses and, oh yeah. Oh man. You yeah, would have hated me. You would I was not just have thinking, liked me. I was just thinking, I, was like, <laughs> I think we wouldn't have been friends. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't the uh, only part of me, yeah. but that was a but that was a very deliberate part of me that I was trying to cultivate through like the English major because yeah. I think that's what I thought you were supposed to be, and then eventually you just go teach, you know, <laughs> and that's it, and that's it, that's your yeah. life. You know? Then you go teach idiots like me. Uh, here's what a pun is. Here's what a simile is. I'm like, why? Why is this English language so crazy? And then hey, 20... I just figured out what a gerund was, so <laughs> I, think, I don't think they did the best job. Uh, Thirty years later, here I'm writing a book. Um, the nice thing about being an English major, <laughs> you know, is that you don't need to know any of that stuff, especially if you take the right classes. You can just uh, fudge your way through creative writing. Yeah, like like and write fudge... about how you feel a book made you. You know, <laughs> like we're fudging... made me feel a certain way. <laughs> like we're fudging our way through this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Not metaphors, similes. Metaphor, we got this. Yeah. Yes. Don't use them too much. Oh, yeah, don't use them too much. <laughs> and get your character and your plot straight first and then start finding these things. Uh, similes, though, I think those are, I like similes. I think they're fun. Um, as as I could tell by my editor was just like, yeah, you're using too many. Don't stack yeah. them. Don't stack them. I was like, all right, that's a good tip. Um, Do you think that's like from your like playfulness as your yes. history as a comedy writer and comedian? 
I think so. I, th- I definitely, I definitely think so. Cause I think the, the wordplay and finding, uh, some fun in that, um, to describe maybe a moment or a scene or something, uh, I think is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's where that would come from. And I was like, oh, I mean, I'll tell you, there's times when I come perfect. up with one, like a simile or a metaphor, but usually a simile, I'll be laughing out loud. I'm like <laughs> yeah. so happy and pleased with myself because it's fun. It's I'm like so clever <laughs> playing with, yeah. I'm sure that's part of it. But another yeah. part is just, I love playing with language. Like, yeah. and I'll say what's equally, um, like on the flip side, the reverse, it's disheartening when you go ahead and you read a book and you see the same damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> like there's been a lot of times where I'm like, the cotton candy sky or whatever the heck I use, you know, is a metaphor. And then I'll read a book four weeks later, you know, yeah. the sky, the clouds were like cotton candy. I'm like, oh my God, I just used that. I got to delete it. There's a question. When you come across others that are like yours, oh, interesting. you go back and edit yours out uh no because mine are so damn unique tim no oh you look oh you're so yeah. special tim i am so clever uh you're so special you don't even know i'm so clever um no i don't think i've ever i don't think i've come across that uh i um yet i'm sure i will and i'm sure there's ones i've used that i haven't i'm sure someone else has used there's no we have no unique thoughts anymore um yeah i know it's a bummer especially no when you're describing stuff once again we're talking like horror genre right so it's like red ribbon I use licorice whips, which yeah. I think I haven't yep. seen before, yeah, but I've heard cool. like birthday ribbon. I've, I've heard like there's a lot of, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You can only describe something so many ways. Well, it depends on what, what you're trying to get across too. Right? Yeah. Um, and what's the oh, comparison? He, like, yeah. And I'll say, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I'm not the only one who does this and I'm not even sure it's the right thing to do. Yeah. I'll say a unique thing that I have done in writing is that the metaphor and simile that I use. Yeah is unique to the character pov that i'm writing in in that moment yeah um and that fit right for me like yep. whether i'm writing as you know my like younger character who's like nine or if i'm writing as a teen characters or the 20 year olds right i try to place them in their own kind of lived experience when possible That's... even though i'm not just writing a limited third i have omniscient third yep um but it's not rinse and repeat perspective for each of them that yeah. they all have kind of different different points of view and so they're using different simile i think that is a great thing to bring up and 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 um making somebody sure tell me i'm wrong someone tell you <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't be doing that no i think that no i think that's that's part of it right because you're not going to have like a nine-year-old kid you know you're not going to use a simile or metaphor for like a nine-year-old kid's not going to say you know something an adult would say you know what i mean like right. so so keeping within that within the character's head just i think deepens that character and also deepens the reader's That's the connection. Hope. Like I'm hoping that it deepens the character. Like the, even though once again, it's not necessarily limited third, I really do want them to identify with those, those mains and using these figures of speech to strengthen that bond yeah. and kind of strengthen that point of view. Yeah. I can think of like my, so Jake, my character and in, in host, he's like kind of the comedic relief in a way, you know, he's got, he's a lot of zingers, a lot of one-liners and stuff like this. And like, I think about the stuff that he uses and the way I'll describe a scene with him, even though I don't, I don't actually write specifically any scenes in his point of view. Um, but I could already picture like the way I would use similes with him would be more in that kind of one liner, maybe little sarcastic, you know, sarcastic tone. Um, yep. Whereas, you know, Lila is very going to be very logical and the way she's seeing the world and the way I use similes for her, many metaphors would be a little more straightforward probably. So yeah, it's kind of a, I think that's a good point to, to bring up because I think that uh, you, that's one of those things where if you if you use one for a character, uh, maybe in how they're seeing the world and their point of view, 
and it doesn't fit maybe the way their their design and their behavior that you've already set they'll definitely yeah. pull the reader out and be like hey a nine-year-old kid wouldn't say this like they don't know what a cuckoo is or you know, yeah. know like <laughs> they don't know some of this random <laughs> bird, I. yeah i don't know either i'm just i just read it um you know they're not going to make that that connection so i think it's a really yeah. good point well i think we've managed to provide some clarity maybe on metaphors and similes i think i understand it better after having written a book and now this podcast <laughs> i'll make it we'll we'll use a metaphor or analogy or whatever right so metaphor is the category like soups and then you have the different types of soups underneath that which would be right is that a good analogy <laughs> sure so metaphor is a soup, soup right and then like simile is like a bisque yes <laughs> wow look at that that's like a really meta layered in we use an analogy and a simile and a metaphor i think all in one let's yes. go Heck yeah. This, this podcast will be studied for future generations. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I think we got brought some clarity there, it's de- especially for me walking through this again. It's good. Now I'm going to pay a little more attention to it, I think, while I'm writing, but not so much where I'm going to take away from my characters in the plot because that's what you don't want to do. Love it. Love it. Need it. Um, so yeah, that's it. What are, you, uh, what are you watching, reading? What are you doing? What are you doing? Let's see. I just finished reading Hell House uh, by Richard Matheson. It was bad. Um, I feel... I don't often say that things are bad yeah. Um, because I like rooting for, for authors and, and kudos to anybody for completing anything. But I think it's established enough and he's, you know, has so many great works like I Am Legend. Yeah. But I think it's okay for me to refer to Hell House as bad. It's, it's a bad book. It's like the definition of pulp. It's very mm, pulpy. Okay. Yep. And, and I guess if you're into that, that's okay, right? That, if that's what you're expecting. Maybe my expectations were not in line. I was expecting, you know, this haunted house story that was filled with dread because right now I'm kind of I'm in my comp research phase for for my haunted house story. Yep. And um, well, haunted house story is wrong, but for my ghost story, this just landed like a lead balloon. Simile, dead simile, dead simile. Now, um, anyway, it landed poorly with me. It was super misogynistic. You know, it wasn't scary. It, it had all the tropes I don't like about yeah. like mediums and you know the science aspect of solving a haunt a haunted house you know it was very very base and it was written for it feels like 13 year olds in the yeah. 1970s like okay. it would be right at home in like a weird tales or a strange tales magazine yeah. type of thing where it's kind of like a little titillating and uh, overly gory yeah. um, but what it wasn't was scary and <laughs> um so on the flip side i just started reading the haunting of hill house and it's awesome it's so good yeah so that's already much more kind of inspiring and helping me i think understand the current like the literature that's out there because haunting of hill house is so amazingly influential i think it influenced carrie every other ghost story after it i feel like has something yeah. that it owes to hill house so thumbs up there coming back to our, our topic here the metaphors i mean now i'm thinking back through host and like the locations and settings as as metaphor you know, i've got two very key places you know the the where the telescope is and there's you're off the grid right and then kind of which would be like the most freedom if you're not you know you can't use any devices and you're just kind of yeah not tether tailing um and then the opposite of the spectrum it's a story about you know surveillance and whatnot and the climax ends in in washington dc right which is like maybe a metaphor for uh you know discovering the surveillance in the place where maybe a lot of it's going on not to be yeah. you know it's part of the story and like yeah, other than that, I'm just watching uh, more ghost stories. You know, Please. I told you I'd printed out the beat sheets. And yeah. um, so I'm doing comp research and uh, 
I watched, not to be confused with Matheson's Hell House, but I watched a handheld found footage horror movie called Hell House LLC. So many houses in hell. It's all so bad. (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, it's talked about a little bit on Dreddit, like on the the R Horror on uh, Reddit. And I don't know why it's remembered fondly by some. It came out in 2014. I can only think it was like a lot of kids, like teenagers, maybe first found footage film. Yeah, but I, I was so disappointed that I like deleted Shutter afterwards. I was like, I don't want the streaming service anymore. Yeah. I didn't even use the beat sheet for that, and then I just fired up The Conjuring, um, and I'm working through the beats on that. Just um, once again, I want to make sure that I'm doing my homework, yeah. and that I'm not retreading ground that's already it's been already tread. Done. So, yeah. I'm trying to think of like horror one that's popular and two that was effective. And for some reason, in 2013. The Conjuring was very, very effective for me. It scared the pants off of me. Yeah. So um, granted, I know that, you know, it's harder to get across dread and tension and scares in a novel. Um, I'm always curious, you know, what's effective. And, and yeah. that's really why I'm trying to read these books, because it's hard to do. At least it's I, I don't often feel scared while I'm reading. Yeah. Yep. I you know, and I think it's because there's so many manipulative factors when it comes into watching a horror movie. You've got like lighting and acting, and you've got d- darkness, and you've got you know the the obviously the sound or lack of sound. You know how, how long they're holding on a cut before they jump to the next cut, where the characters positioned on the screen is their back vulnerable. Like I know all those tricks. Like I know I've seen so many horror movies that you everybody subconsciously knows them. Yep. But I don't know the tricks yet for a book. Yeah. I only have you know my lived experience and, and as far as i can tell it's much harder to get across i think yeah. dread is possible yeah yeah jump scares aren't you know you can't believe you know no, no, it's like very, you very can't write film. bang bang <laughs> isn't the sound is you know it right. was that onomatopoeia you know yeah, you yeah. can't write that and have it come across like a door slamming like writing right. slam comparing that to a door slamming in a movie it's you know Complete, it doesn't yeah. work yeah. you can't imagine that you're reading it first so um hmm. But anyway, yeah, I'm just immersed in research phase. I'm nearing the end of it. And mm-hmm. um, and then I'm probably going to start writing um, and jump out of genre. And maybe I'll get back to some Nick Parada or other stuff. Nice. How about you? What do you, uh, what do you watch and what are you reading? I, I'm not watching anything uh, except for some bad movies and finishing Yellowstone last night, which is so stupid. I don't know why I'm watching that show. Um, but I'm done with it now. Uh, reading though, so I finished that Darkness Take My Hand, the Dennis Lehane one, which I really enjoyed. I'll probably continue that that uh, Kenzie and Gennaro series he works on. I want to get some of his other books. I've been turned into movies. Um, finished doing Messiah. Um, finally, that took me a while, which is really not that long of a book. Um, and I think last time I mentioned, I started this uh, thriller called Orphan X by Greg Hurwitz. Um, it's very, very much in my thriller genre. Um, it's bringing up a lot of things that I. It's, I guess I would call this kind of like comp research and just research in, in the genre. Um, it's, uh, I'm going to probably finish it today, but it's um, almost a little too much uh, for me. Like, again, it's heavily into the details of describing things and the main characters, basically like a Jack Reacher superhero kind of guy. Um, his only faults are like he gets shot or stabbed, um, you know, like there's nothing else to him, um, really. But that's fine. That's okay. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's okay. That's okay. That's part of the genre. It's part of what you're kind of expecting this character to be. Um, you know, he's saving all the, the 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 people that need help. You know, like so that that's that's been fine for a little research. Um, and I just started this book called Unwind by Neil Schusterman. Um, this is I only one chapter in. This is a it's a 
book one in the Unwind Distology. Um, it's a pretty interesting concept. Um, kind of gives me like a little bit of a, I think it's a set obviously sometime in the future. There's like a second civil war that was fought over reproductive rights. And it gets into like how you can unwind your kids between the ages of 13 and 18 and have their organs and parts donated to other, to other people that need it. Oh my God, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah it's uh, basically these kids who are set to be unwound and they're kind of running away from that and trying to escape it. So yeah, I'm only one chapter in. I was like, all right, this is pretty interesting, you know, world they're building and kind of see how that goes. So that's next on the list. And that's been pretty much it. Yeah, I haven't watched really anything at all. So that's it. I think we're done, right? We're done here? We're done. Um, next episode, we got a special guest, don't we? Yeah, we've got uh, Jeff coming back. Yeah, Jeffrey Morrison. He's coming back. He's got a new book out there. So we're going to probably chat about that and just talk about probably everything like we did last time. And it was fun. Yeah, I'm so. happy to have him back. He's, he's great. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, that'll be the next episode. Uh, if you enjoyed this one, send it along to someone that you think might also enjoy it. Follow us on Instagram at Writer Syndrome Books. Tim is stepping up his game over there, which is thank you because I don't... Am I? Oh, good. Yeah, okay. you've posted a couple things on there, books and stuff, right? Yeah, I was going to post Hell House, but I was like, I don't want to say bad stuff. <laughs> We're a positive thing. I also don't want to let anybody know that I read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of those embarrassing things. You know? I think I think you just did. So. Oh, no. All, all 30 oh, of our goodness. listeners. Uh, we're still on Twitter there, writer underscore syndrome. Where else? We're on YouTube. You can go over there and listen to us and subscribe and follow that stuff. You can find all our episodes and reach out to us if you want to hop on the show. If you're a writer or you want to talk about writing or anything or have some ideas, send it. Yeah, and way. if you're a agent looking to... <laughs> Pitch a 400-page <laughs> horror book set in the 1970s. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> I'm your guy. Tim is I'm so clearing. your guy. <laughs> He's yeah. so your guy. I've yet to get my second rejection, but okay. I feel it coming. Okay. I've, I've got about uh, eight active queries out right now. Okay. And um, they will fall on me like stones. By the time this episode... That's a simile, and, by the way. That was a good one. That was good. Mine are not good today. I can't come up with any after that, man. Uh, by, the, by this episode comes out, I should know if I'm going to be doing a book event down in Connecticut, which would be kind of fun. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Maybe I'll, go, maybe I'll go see you. A little uh, independent bookstore called RJ Julia down there. I might be at one of their events. So They're what? huge, though. Yeah. It's yeah. a big deal. Congrats. Yeah. I hope you get to that. Me too. So yeah, you can go find all our episodes and reach out to us if you want at writersyndrome.com. 